Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm Peter Producer Leo Garcia, joined as always via Zoom by TV Deputy Editor Ben Travers and TV Awards Editor Libby Hill. On today's episode, we'll be discussing our final predictions for the comedy categories at this year's Emmys. And there's probably a sandwich bet on the line, I'm assuming. It is millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Guys, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but is there has there been a quicker downfall than the last 20 days of Mike Richards' life? <laughs> to go from being someone that no one knew about to selecting yourself to be host of Jeopardy, to then having all these reports come out that you said awful things on podcasts in the mid-teens, and, and then to step down as host, and then 10 days later- Get your ass fired. <laughs> just- uh, step down from your EP role. You know, it, it's there, there have been many a milkshake duck in the last decade, but this is so full. And I feel like the, the progression has been very nice. I, I think that's that's what's really appealing about this story is to see someone choosing to to fail upwards, trying to to fail upwards by hiring themselves and then getting laid so so low. It's, uh, it's really a triumph of the human spirit, so long as the human spirit is the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm into it. I, I mean, I think, I, think, I think that's totally fair, Leo. It's crazy to look at it now and think how easily avoidable it would have been if he had just hired LeVar Burton. Apparently, they're still not going to do. Yeah. So cool. I, I mean, and I Maya look forward Bialik, to this cycle repeating. Maya Bialik has her own shit. That they yep. that that is inevitably going to resurface. How many people need to be disqualified as Jeopardy host before they do the right thing and hire Lavar Lavar Burton? More than one, I'm guessing. <laughs> oh, Ben, Libby and I wanted to turn to you very quickly in this clicker portion for updates on two shows premiering this month. Well, I guess not this month because only murders in the building snuck in. But if you could let us know. As shortly as you can. You did, you did so well when we talked about Nine Perfect Strangers. You gave a very succinct Nine Perfect Strangers <laughs> review. Talk us through Impeachment American Crime Story. I mean, I honestly think I don't like to do this because I don't like to tweet. But no, I think I can sum up the, the, the reaction, at least my reaction to American Crime Story Impeachment, the third season of FX, I hope formerly acclaimed anthology season, by saying... That, yeah, this is supposed to be a reframing of history. This is supposed to be a post Me Too. Let's put Monica Lewinsky first. This was a woman who was, you know, mocked on SNL, mocked by the late night hosts, shouted down by all the voices in the room. Her side of things were completely ignored, and her name was dragged through the mud repeatedly. And this is the opportunity to, you know, hear her and 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 you know understand what she had to go through and understand what that meant for the country and and kind of, you know reframe the abuses of power from our nation's highest office. This is also a show that when first introducing Brett Kavanaugh, who, for those who forgot, was part of the Star Report, they introduced him with a joke, with him saying that, I I never like to take no for an answer, but, and here we go. And there are so many instances of American Crime Story impeachment going for that kind of lowbrow, gross referential humor with the 
you know, the benefit of, of knowing what happens next in our culture, that it just turns the whole thing into an ugly mess. Like it's, it's just not an effective drama. It's not particularly well told. It definitely isn't well made like the the direction the scenery like i i tried to get into this a lot in the review itself but it feels very empty from a kind of covid pandemic perspective of oh i don't feel like they could have as many people on set uh for these scenes as they wanted to i also don't feel like ryan murphy is a director who benefits from having like zero color and substance and style when he's, you know, restricted to shooting in government buildings all of the time and, and weird closed office spaces and kind of uh, 1990s era middle-class homes that aren't very well, you know, decorated or, or even you know, curiously decorated. Um, so it's, it's all just, it all just doesn't work. Like there's just not a lot to it. There's an inherent power to the story being told from this perspective, because again, like you feel for her and you have to address the kind of predatory issues that were involved with that president that were largely ignored at the time. But yeah, it just as a series really, and I, and I saw seven of the 10 episodes. So I, I feel somewhat comfortable forming an opinion at this point, but yeah, it's bad. It's not good. They didn't do a good job. I'm disappointed. On the flip side of the bad versus good coin, do you want to walk us through Hulu's only murders in the building. Uh, I can very quickly say with this one is that it's almost the exact opposite of American Crime Story Impeachment, which was very weird to watch so close together, but it's so beautifully done. Like one of my favorite things about Only Murders in the Building, which obviously is this kind of uh, true crime podcast parody slash comedic whodunit starring Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez where they all live, they're, they're all these neighbors who live in a building where someone gets murdered and they start a podcast to try to investigate what happened. You'd think that, you know, this is just going to be something where they kind of coast on these stars. They let Steve Martin and Martin Short do their thing. And it's just kind of, you know, it's silly and they make some true crime references and that's the whole thing. But they really put in the work to make this thing beautiful. Like they, the, the set designs are great. The exterior shots are great. They create this little bubble of a world within this pretty nice upper east side apartment complex that you just want to continually revisit and add that to the charm inherent to the cast, as well as kind of the addictive nature of these whodunits that's pretty well played out. And it just becomes a very, very, very pleasant show that I think almost everyone will enjoy. And one of the rare anthology series, limited series, whatever you want to call it, where I think they could just continue it. And even though you know, having another murder happen in the building that these people go and investigate again is ludicrous, just like Die Hard 2 was ludicrous. You just go with it. You're just like, I'm just happy to be back. I just want to see John McClane again. I just want to see these three do it again. I want to see the apartments. I want to see an expansion of the building and more of these characters and fun people brought in. So yeah, go for it. Make another scene. I mean, Murder, She Wrote was on for a million, like, you know. I I don't, I obviously don't know. I don't know the plot of the of the show yet, but the idea that like, does it have, does the murder have to be in their building? Only Murders in the Building is the name of their podcast because they only talk about murders that happen in their building because there was only <laughs> one and that's all they want to talk about. Like there's a, a kind of throwaway joke where one of the characters mentions there's an open case about somebody who got mugged in Central Park last night or whatever. And they're like, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're only doing murders in the building. Okay. And so, and so they explain a way that there couldn't be a season two where there's a murder in another building. Right. right. And, you know, again, like we live in the era where they just continue everything. It's, if it's successful, this would be one where I wouldn't be upset 
that they decided to do that. I guess another following the White Lotus, but I'm alone on that island. I will watch White Lotus season two. (laughs) I would probably watch it now knowing what kind of show it is and start drinking. Guys, we're only three (laughs) weeks away from the primetime Emmy Awards. And today we're going to be discussing the comedy categories, your final predictions. We did some advocating a couple of weeks ago. But I guess, do we want to start by talking a little bit about if Ted Lasso airing its current season has hindered or helped its case in most of these categories? As our listeners obviously know, Lasso was nominated for 20 Emmys. So, you know, season two was up and running throughout the voting window for phase two at the Emmys. So as people were considering Ted Lasso's nominations, they were also seeing new episodes dropping week to week. That's not a bad natural ad campaign, at least if your season's good. But there has been, as we spoke about before, some backlash to this season of Ted Lasso. I think that airing new episodes only helped Ted Lasso, if only to remind people what they liked about it. But I suppose there's a universe where they... It, you know, it hindered or, or people thought, oh, wait, was this, was it this quote unquote saccharine in its first season? Maybe I didn't like it as much, but I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think Ted Lasso comes back and people's, people are like, yeah, that's legit. I also think that the backlash is coming from corners of the internet that aren't probably voting <laughs> in the voting blocks. Well, uh, sure. And I'm and I'm not and I'm also not sure how moved by these criticisms the voting blocks would be. If anything, the thought that I had was in something like supporting actor, where you have four Ted Lasso actors going up against one another. Brett Goldstein's Roy Kent has definitely sort of taken center stage on a lot of the first couple of episodes of this season. In a way, I think even more than he did in season one. And I could see that sort of propelling him to the victory there, based on the fact that he's had a strong run of episodes in season two. But that's just coming from my perspective as someone, if I I were voting and watching season two simultaneously, I would say, oh, Brett Goldstein's doing great stuff in season two. I'll sort of award him for season one for the stuff he's doing now. Yeah, I I agree with that too. Like I, I, after seeing the screeners for season two, I kind of thought that that was going to be the trajectory of, of how the awards race would go just because usually with, when you, when you give that much love to a show, especially in that category where there's so many supporting actors nominated, you're just kind of looking for like one reason, one thing that's going to be like, okay, this will elevate that person. Like, help me choose. Give me a reason to choose one person over these other people when I really just like everybody. And it seems like this season has done that for Brett. And I also agree that I I feel like a lot of the backlash is something that really has just emerged because people have been asked to sit with Ted Lasso for so long. Like the first season kind of slowly trickled out. People discovered it over a long period of time. When season two arrived, all of the writers, all of the industry people, anybody who's got like strong opinions about television had their strong opinions at the ready for Ted Lasso. And if they weren't on board with the sentimentality, if they weren't on board with everything that the show was offering up until that point, then they'd been holding this in for a while and it's just come erupting out at this point. But we've seen, like when we talk about backlash, One of the things that kind of feels incomplete about that sentiment is that you've seen as an equally fierce response to the backlash, like the people who love it still love it. So I don't think this is something that's changing a lot of minds so much as it's something where it's like some people just need to vent, like some people who don't like the show that everybody else talks about and everybody else talks about with such high praise. They just need a space 
to, to air their grievances and that's fine. They should like, go ahead. You don't have to like everything that everybody else likes, but I don't think it's going to affect what we see at the Emmys. I don't think people are going to be like, oh yeah, they're right. Ted Lasso is bad. I don't like that show. So to get us started with final predictions, let's just start at the top. Outstanding comedy series. Ted Lasso. Dibs. Dibs on gonna, Ted Lasso. I'm going to surprise some people then. And I'm also going to say Ted Lasso. Yeah. And as a Rube, I'll follow you guys. I'll say Ted Lasso. Wow. All right. No sandwich bets here. Otherwise, unless we all want a sandwich. Do we all want to send each other sandwiches? We'll all send each other sandwiches. All right. So we all we all went with Ted Lasso <laughs> for Outstanding Comedy Series. Moving on to Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series. The man himself. Ted, Ted Lasso. Lasso. Like if there was a world in which Ted Lasso somehow lost comedy series, this is the most unimpeachably locked category. Well, let's move right along. Move right along to Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Series. Gene Smart's Toulouse? Oh, absolutely. You betcha. Absolutely. Sorry, this is very fun, but I think we could have recorded this four months ago without knowing the nominations and... Well, now, here we now here we get into some the the supporting actor and actress uh, categories are bigger pools of people, and I think there could be some disagreement over who might take these. So let's start with supporting actor. Obviously, we talked a little bit about earlier. There's four Ted Lasso nominees, two Saturday Night Live nominees, and then Paul Reiser and Carl Clemens Hopkins. What are you thinking, Libby? I think that. What you what you brought up earlier in the podcast, Leo, is right on. I think this is Brett's to lose. If we got into a scenario where the Ted Lasso guys, for whatever reason, knocked each other out, then my gut actually goes with Bowen Yang in this category, which I would not be upset about, which is unconventional like because i think the conventional wisdom would say it's the it's it would go to the other yeah. snl nominee who is double nominated and supporting and lead actor in a comedy but i don't know bowen has that buzz i agree with everything libby said she said it all i do think brett's gonna win that's my bet I would probably say Keenan would win if he doesn't, if, if Brett loses for some reason because of the conventional wisdom. I think Bowen has obviously got a lot of people behind him, but I just don't know if he's had like enough time to kind of work his way into the Academy's good graces at like the mass level that you might need to pull off a, a Ted Lasso upset, even with vote splitting. The interesting thing to me about this category is that anybody who talks about vote splitting would then have to start arguing Paul Reiser or Carl Clemens Hopkins is going to win. And I mean, Carl, maybe like people like him on the show, obviously, but it, it, that seems like a pretty big reach compared to who else is in, in the field. And Paul Reiser, as much as we love Mad About You and, and Aliens, I don't think so. Wait, so. I mean, we, we love, love Aliens. You. you don't love Aliens? <laughs> No, I do love. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I would completely agree with that. I am actually on Gold Derby uh, scrolling through and I cannot believe how many people are picking one of the two SNL guys. Like maybe I'm out of the loop, but I just this feels like it's verging. It's edging into lock territory for me, just in my own mind. But I mean, this is where we pick up some points. This is where we're going to beat out the competitors. It's going to happen. Moving on to supporting actress in the comedy. Ben, you dubbed this the Battle of the Hannas. Einbinder versus Waddingham. Who who are you thinking? Again, not to be too boring, but I am thinking Waddingham. I do think Ted Lasso is going to do very well across the board. I feel like because of the the, the 15 nominations for Hacks, I mean, Hannah Einbinder, Einbinder's 
inclusion in this category, which wasn't necessarily a guaranteed thing before the Emmys nominations rolled in, obviously. I think that does speak to a love that could boost hacks in some key categories. Like it could, if we talk about it later, it could end up stealing like a writing win. Obviously, Gene Smart's a heavy favorite, so that might be enough. There's, you know, some creative arts categories that it could do well in. But I do think that if the Academy isn't totally smitten with Ted Lasso, then this would probably be the other category that they'd want to give Hannah, like they'd want to give Hacks and Hannah an Emmy in. So I agree with Ben. My logic is a little bit different here. I do think both palindromes are great. Love both the Hannahs. But I think when it comes down to tapes, that Waddingham has better tapes to submit. I would have to go and look what at what she submitted, but I assume it would be like make Rebecca great again. Whereas Hannah Einbinder doesn't have, I think, as showy a tape to submit. There is the one where she she meets the guy and, and they they have a fling. But I really, I really think just on the basis of that, it, that, that this is Waddingham's award. As much as I love Hacks, Hacks is running into sort of a brick wall of Ted Lasso, not unlike every single comedy series last year and Schitt's Creek, which shout out to Leo. He said like a year ago that he thought Ted Lasso would uh, succeed in the vein, not, you know, sweep the Emmys, but would be successful in the vein of Schitt's Creek. And he completely nailed it from I believe my uh, thinking. I believe my thinking was if this is a show that the Emmys love, boy, are they going to eat up Ted Lasso in, in the wake of Schitt's Creek's historic sweep. For Olivia's discussion of episodes, Hannah Waddingham submitted All Apologies, which is the ninth episode of Ted Lasso season one, in which she tells the truth to Ted and apologizes to Higgins. Interesting choice. I don't know if that would have been, like you said, Olivia, I don't know if that would have been the top one. Uh, and then Hannah Einbinder submitted I Think She Will, which is the season one finale. Again, I think I might have gone episode five or six with Hannah. I'm just going to do a little bit more intense in of a range or, or a more clear cut of a range, but she is working with a lot of things in the finale too. So, so yeah, I, at this point with shows like that, where they get so many nominations across the board, I don't know how much the individual episodes will make an impact, but right. you never know. And you got to try. So and actually with those choices, they're both pretty, it's curious to me because they're both emotionally intensive episodes, but they are more emotionally intensive if you watched all the episodes that came before. I really don't know how they'll play out of context, but okay, maybe that's a draw. Like, who knows? I, I, I'm going I Waddingham. Probably Waddingham, but yeah. All right. Comedy Direction might be where Hacks sneaks in. It was directed by Lucia Aniello, friend of the pod, and, you know, submitting a pilot is a, is a pretty classic move. I think that was the only episode they submitted, which is always, in my opinion, a smart move because then you end up in these Ted Lasso situations. Ben also mentioned that the that they also sometimes go towards the hour long or like the hour long comedy episodes. And there's that flight attendant episode directed by Susanna Fogel. I don't know if that, that changes your mind on anything, Ben. I, I guess the only thing I'd say about this category is because I don't feel like I feel like pilots are usually kind of the go-to definitive thing where if you've got multiple nominations, the pilot kind of absorbs enough of the vote that it can usually be counted on to win. If there is no pilot, then this could be the one case where Ted Lasso gets some vote splitting, which results in kind of a surprise win. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with Libby at all. Hacks is only, only has the one nomination, so that could help it. 
flight attendant obviously sitting there is something that, you know, at, for a while it was very well liked. It was very well respected. So I, I, I think it maybe could. I think my heart wants to say Lucia, but my head says flight attendant. All right. And moving to writing, this is the one where you mentioned Ben, the Ted Lasso pilot is there. The Academy could award all four of the series creators because Sudeikis and Lawrence wrote the pilot. And you also get Brendan Hunt and Joe Kelly as story by. Is there anything beating the Ted Lasso pilot here? I think it would be Hacks, mainly because Hacks is about comedy writing. So if comedy writers really do respond to it in that way and recognize themselves and want to like kind of honor the the work ethic and the commitment and the authenticity that they discovered in that show, which, you know, clearly they responded to, clearly the Academy did, uh, then perhaps that's the case. But I would still... I would still, yeah, I'd still bet on the Ted Lasso pilot just because it seems like something they couldn't pass on, even if they did love hacks. Skipping ahead a little bit to Outstanding Variety Talk Series. Last week tonight, does Conan get a farewell Emmy? I think last week tonight will still win. I'd love to see Conan get a farewell Emmy, but one, he's not really leaving. (laughs) Like he's done with the nightly, the nightly version of his show, but he's coming back with the weekly version. If he wasn't coming back at all, then I think maybe that level of, of, career achievement award status might be unlocked, but I, I can't see it this time around. And again, last week tonight. Carson. <laughs> well, uh, you never got a chance is, to be Carson. That's yeah. Very hurtful on, on your part. Let me very, very, very cruel. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but I think last week tonight's going to carry this again, whether or not you're watching it weekly, like whether or not you're watching every episode of last week tonight, whenever you do turn it on, whenever you catch up with it, it stands out. It just always stands out. It always finds a way to make like not only the, the length and time it commits to each story that it's it's trying to elevate each topic that it's trying to discuss, but it always finds a way to make it memorable. And I think that helps it with awards considerably. So Well, I think they found that perfect blend in which they have the shorter stuff up top that can go viral and then they're more in-depth reporting. So they're kind of hitting it on every level, keeping it in public conversation. It's hard to beat. You know, that's why we need separate categories, not because it's too good, but because they're doing something completely different than, say, Colbert or Seth Meyers. Yeah, I I fully support the the separate category idea. And at the same time, kind of no matter what, next year, I'm anticipating a showdown between Daily Show alums in which Late Night with John Oliver or Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Late Night with Stephen Colbert. And the problem with Jon Stewart all get to square off in variety. Well, also the Arguably Daily the Show and the Daily Show winners. with Trevor Noah. And yeah, the actual Daily Show with Trevor Noah. But Maybe three... that'll actually be the year and, Trevor wins. And you can get Sam B That'd in be... there too. If you, if, you, if you squeezed her in, that could be all five categories are Daily Show alums. If all five Daily Show alums get nominated, do you go with Stewart because of the longevity influence i'll say variety sketch series snl hasn't lost this since 2016 when it lost to key and peel can black lady sketch show topple snl ben i know you wrote it should but won't but can it it could i mean there's only two choices so it could there's a lot of kind of campaigny rationales that i would apply to try to convince myself that a black lady sketch show could win and first of all it's because it's deserving like it absolutely deserves to win but also i think that having hbo behind it always helps that's always a boost that's always kind of a like a big you know credibility push and has a lot of people in in the academy who just respect that brand and really watch that stuff and honor that stuff and respond to that stuff but also I, i think having only two nominees 
benefits everybody except SNL. Whoever's competing against SNL is is boosted because it's not just that you have to choose which is your favorite. If you, for whatever reason, actively just don't want the same thing to win, you only have one other option. There's no vote splitting. There's no playing favorites. There's no nothing. It's all the people like SNL in one bucket and all the other people in another bucket. And maybe that other bucket, other bucket can be big enough to topple SNL. I just don't, I just don't want to bet on it because so many people have worked on SNL over the years. So many people have ties to SNL over the years that are in the Academy that it's hard for me to imagine it losing. It's it's the same reason The Simpsons keeps winning randomly an animated program. So okay, Black Lady Sketch Show should win. I'm not sure, despite that that actually very cogent and like really insightful argument lobbied by Ben. I just don't think it can win. If you look at uh, supporting nominations, SNL got everyone nominated, and and Black Lady Sketch Show got two nominations for in guest actress for. Issa Rae and Yvette Nicole Brown. So none of its main main cast members, which is number one, upsetting. And, and number two, also upsetting. But there's definitely room for like a backlash for, for them saying, you know, we fucked up and, and maybe we should have paid attention. I don't think it's this year. I'm hoping Black Lady Sketch Show's influence only grows from here, but I don't think it's this year. That said, if it upset, like that's the upset, I think I might be, I would be most excited about just because I really don't like Saturday Night Live. Who does like Saturday Night Live is the question. This category is very interesting to me only because it's it's a newish category. It's when they split variety series into variety sketch series. And the first two years were won by not Saturday Night Live. Inside Amy Schumer won the inaugural version and Key and Peel won. And then Saturday Night Live has railed off, you know, the past four victories. And I almost wonder are if they're like, why do we make this a category? We don't have enough entrance that now we only have two nominees. Well, they did, but also uh, for next year when they they have no choice but to nominate Sam Robinson. So I think it should go after comedy series, but I'll wait until next year when the fields are a little more clear. I don't know. Maybe they should go after short. I, I don't know. I like, I don't what? know what's best. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation. Anywhere our theme music features extra for the classic YouTube video of Bjork talking about TV and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Our editor in chief is Dana Harris Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is TBD. Some shows we wish had won Emmys for Outstanding Variety Sketch Series instead of Saturday Night Live include Documentary Now, At Home with Amy Sedaris, and I Love You America with Sarah Silverman. Millions of Screens strongly endorses. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Netflix, don't be cowards. Submit it in best outstanding 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 comedy comedy series. series. All categories. You can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire, Ben T. Travers, and Leo Garcia. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben, Libby, and Leo. Remind you, as always, you shouldn't let poets lie to you. As argued by Ben Travers this week, last week, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Technically, a dramedy. It is sad. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast.